Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 416 with the absolutely amazing James Blevins, co-founder of Mesh, who also happens to be uh, one of the persons who is uh, uh, in charge of the Innovation Zone over at the HBA Tech Retreat 2023. Uh, I was over at HBA uh, uh, the Tech Retreat uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was absolutely fabulous. James is a very, very good guy, very funny person, uh, also a great evangelist for the industry, and uh, apparently also a huge fan of Martini Giant, which I'm very proud of. Uh, but he gave us a lot of great information about uh, himself and his career, as well as uh, where he's going with virtual production. We also, of course, as you can imagine, dabble into uh, a lot of things in AI as well. But he's a really, really cool guy. Kristen, what did you think of James besides being a hilarious person? <laughs> yeah, this he's like super engaging the whole time. It was just like a fun listen. But he takes us on his career path through this podcast from his the party in Colorado to stories on set. Um, it just he's it's just amazing. But and he's also worked just like at some of the top companies from DD, Disney, Netflix, and Lucasfilm. And now, um, you big part of this podcast is what he does now in virtual production, um, and then how he transitioned to that after his time at Disney. Um, and like you said, he is co-founder at Mesh, and it is a to explain it a team of virtual production specialists with the experience and contacts to launch a virtual production project in as little as six weeks. So it's really cool. Like I was, it's super interesting to listen to and such a, an amazing thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, if you think about it, what he's doing is almost like a consulting company for mm -hmm. helping people who are transitioning into virtual production process, because suddenly what you're doing is you're throwing a whole lot of CG to people who normally just hand it over to someone else and now they have to manage that cg much more directly and so james and his group is the perfect people to sort of help them make that transition and he's his role is he calls himself a, virt uh, a virtual production line producer which which i think is very important and sort of thinking about like yeah you know all the crap you have to get together for for your virtual production needs and it's really cool so uh really exciting uh okay uh Hope you guys enjoy that one. But let's let's a couple of announcements. Uh, the first one is we do have a V-Ray six uh, for 3ds Max update one is out, uh, and of course, if you're asking about the other lines, other products, those will be coming out shortly, as we always say. Uh, but lots of great updates here. There's some new masking tools that have been put into uh, and lens effects uh, for for lens effects and denoisers. Uh, there's also been a bunch of uh, light material post processing that has been done as well. Uh, some work on the USD uh, stuff on, on that side of things. Uh, it's much faster at loading heavier scenes. Uh, new environment fog is up to 30% faster. Uh, uh, and then obviously 50% uh, uh, less GPU memory for certain for textures as well. So lots of updates, really good one. Go check it out. Of course, you just go to chaos.com for that. Okay, we've got a couple of events coming up. Kristen, what is happening? Yeah, so you can find this out at chaos.com slash events. But this is one we have been talking about over the last few weeks. It started January 31st, and it will go through this month on March 30th. So it is, you can watch recordings of tools and techniques to visualize an eco-friendly home. Um, so you can learn how to render an animated virtual tour with Chaos Vantage in V-Ray 6 for SketchUp. So this is a recorded um, video, so you can just sign up and watch it until March 30th again at chaos.com slash events. 
Perfect. That's really great. Okay. Uh, if uh, people want to follow us, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash CG garage podcast or chaos.com slash CG garage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaos group TV. Perfect. And if you guys have ideas of other podcasts or would like to comment on this one or give us anything else, feedback that we would like to do, you can always email us labs at chaos.com. Of course, you can just put it in the comment section of our YouTube or anything you want to do. But uh, always an email is always appreciated if you want to have more of a one-on-one connection with us. But for now, please enjoy episode number 416 with James Blevins. Welcome to another CG Garage where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. Tell it Aces is good. It's got this, you know, uh, it's good for distribution. His yep. his whole point was, um, you mess with my highlights, you're gonna have a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> That's Rob Legato. Oh, right. Yeah, because of color space. Yeah. Well, and highlights. Yeah. Don't mess with the man's highlights. I get it. All right. Mm-hmm. He's paid a lot of money to get these highlights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so See sorry what it's done? I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So we've already started, but we're going to talk a lot about different things. But I just want to start by the fact that you and I worked at DD, of course, and a lot of people who've listened to this podcast know that. This always starts with you and I worked at DD, like almost every podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, this one should start with, you know, I'm a big fan of Martini Giant. Thank you. You know, and uh, uh, so when you wanted to interview me, I was like, yeah, yeah. But you but, thought but, it was going to be Martini Giant, and I roped you into this one yeah, instead? exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to channel, I'm going to put, you know, could you wear a Dan Thron, like, something, you know, it's like this little mask. And I oh, I get, I have little, to have more, yeah. you know the story behind that name, right? Martini Giant? No. Oh. Dan and I would go for a coffee break at the firehouse. Sure. And then we would drink martinis. Right. <laughs> and talk about movies. Right. But you've seen Dan. Yeah. And so some other patron of the firehouse nicknamed him the Martini Giant. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> and so when the nice. bartender told us that, we registered martinigiant.com. Perfect. And then we decided, oh, what are we going to call this podcast? It's like, well, how about Martini Giant, since we have that domain? So I, uh, The firehouse was too close to management, as far as I was concerned. Yes. So we would walk all the way down to that uh, Airdinger place oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. And just, just for lunch on yep. Friday, just for lunch. Sure. Um, and, and then, and then that we place didn't closed. get back. Yeah, that place closed. You, you just—I'm telling you a little amusing anecdote, and you're just like, <laughs> I'm gonna shoot this in the head. <laughs> okay, what happened at the everything? That was the story. We, <laughs> we never go back. You know, okay. it's, a, it's a drinking story. You know, it was a mess. You know, it was, it was a disaster. The whole place was run like a frat house. You remember? Yes, it was the, the Plywood Palace. But I do remember Nikos liked Nikos. Nikos liked to go to the firehouse because. It was within range of the walkie-talkies. That's it. So he would pretend he would call it Flame Bath 13. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that was, uh, God, I was a render wrangler. 
You were before I was a flame artist. Well, let's go, what what got you into doing visual effects? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. Well, let's go back even further. Okay, right? so, so I didn't come here to do visual effects, right? Okay. I'd always. Where been, were you from? I had a choice to make after uh, five years at University of Colorado. Okay. Um, I did not intend to go to the University of Colorado. Oh. I went to a party in Boulder, Colorado, mm -hmm. and um, had an apartment all ready for me in New York. It was Virginia, Colorado, see my father, and then off to, off to New York. Great apartment. Love it. It's still there today okay. um, on, in Union Square. Um, but I went to a party, and I was like, what's the rush? So I hung out in Boulder for a while and got in-state and then went to University of Colorado. And then I decided whether or not I was going to continue on to New York, where I would be under the watchful eye of my family, judging every single thing I did. Mm -hmm. Or take my, uh, my, my education and <laughs> go to Los Angeles. Uh -huh. uh, and I'd already been uh, to like San Diego and just fell in love with the West Coast. And it was pretty an easy choice. I, I convinced someone to give me a ride out there. Um, and, and went uh, to L.A. with the five to ten year plan for overnight success. That was that was the thing. It was going to okay. take five to ten years for overnight success. So I started on... <laughs> but the controversy yeah. between overnight is not five to ten years. It is. Uh, no, no, no. It's, that, that is the way it works. Okay. No, there's certain things. It's like overnight success in Hollywood, five to ten years minimum. Right. Okay? okay. So if that's that, do the math. Yeah. Do the math. All right. Um, so we, uh, uh, we started on set. Uh -huh. uh, and I, w I was about to leave, and a director buddy of mine said, don't, don't leave, don't leave, there's nothing left for you in Boulder, stay here, get, a, get to be a driver on the show. Right. And the, the show was Swimming with Sharks. Oh. And so I was a driver on Swimming with Sharks for about a week okay. before the production team, who of course were in sort of just craziness of, of you know, mid-tier production, were just like panicked, and, and they went to a location, and Everything was just a mess, and the 18-wheelers had showed up, but there was no real transport captain, so no one knew where to park, and the cars were in the way, and the guy came up to me and goes, James, James, do you want to be transportation captain? And I said, does it, does it pay more? You know? Yes, yes, it does. Well, sure, I'll do that. Fantastic. Now, get all of these cars out of the way. <laughs> and that was, that's why I'm now transportation captain uh, on Swimming with Sharks. But... Uh, earthquake during that movie, okay. uh, whole earthquake story there. We could go into Northridge. Yeah, yeah, okay. just in time for the, the earthquake. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> it was just a, yeah. We all have an earthquake story, right? Right. Um, were you here for the earthquake? I was not. Oh, dude. Well, a lot of us have an earthquake story. Sure. <laughs> um, I had to have an earthquake story, but it was in Athens, Greece. Oh, different earthquake. Well, <laughs> well. Shall I interview? Do no, 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 no. Oh. Go ahead. Tell oh. me your earthquake story. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so it was a, uh, uh, well, the earthquake story, let's just, there was an earthquake. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, it was a big, fat mess. Um, I did think that since uh, Clinton was in Russia at the time on a, on a summit, uh -huh. you know, I was half asleep when I was awakened. I was sleeping on set in an RV, and I thought, well, the summit must not be going very well. Right. I had no idea what was happening, and it was obviously, when I finally woke up, it was an earthquake. Okay. Um, so uh, art department, props, weapons master, uh, went through a lot of the. You were on uh, set a lot. Yeah, I was on set for a few years, um, but I'd always had this. Uh, I was always building my own computers. I was always a programmer. Interesting. I, I was yeah. So I was always able to. Uh, I built the first uh, Elf uh, Two Heathkit computer 
with my uncle, pounding okay. assembler in, you know. Um, okay. So none of the pieces had really changed, right? There was always processor, there was always memory. Sure. Uh, There's not enough of all these things. It's always like, how do you get it to a tape and off a tape? And all this stuff was just sort of rising up and little pieces were rising up with it. And it... Uh, what was your first computer? Uh, what was that? It was like a TRX-80, okay. you know? And then... Uh, Someone, had, some some rich kid had an Apple IIe. Oh, yeah. They got on there. And the Amiga, you know, was floating around. Yeah. And at Charlottesville, Virginia, they um, the the university system. Any citizen can have a mainframe account. So I was a twelve year old with a mainframe account. Oh wow! Yeah. So so it was a great program. And, and uh, yeah, so I was just riding the wave of tech, mm -hmm. getting onto BBSs and all that stuff. So oh, yeah. all this to say that I had an appetite for tech. Mm -hmm. um, well, a buddy of mine, the guy who drove me out from Boulder, who uh, who had a great career in government in L.A., and I think he's just, just retired, he um, he told me about a temp job at a place called Cinesite. Yeah. And they were pulling uh, shots off on the Metrum tape. Okay. And and uh, he was like, this job is yours, man. I'm a temp. I'm, i got to go to other things, but this is right up your alley. Right. So they wheeled me into that room at Kodak with $10 million of uh, computer equipment and said, can you help? And I was just happier than a pig in poo. Really? It was just so much fun, yeah. you know? Uh, slinging data for all the compositors, and they sat us right in the middle of the lightning scanning recording systems. Yeah. Glenn Kennell was there writing white papers on wow. the Simeon file system. And, yeah. and, uh, and it was the first time I got to have my hands on a, a real R&D team at Kodak, yeah. you know? And it was just great. That's, that's, that's it. That was my first digital job, was right there at Cinesite. And, 15 years of visual effects. Right. Um, and then did a whole bunch of other stuff after what that. What was your first film you worked on? Waterworld. Waterworld. Yeah. Digital wow. digital film? Yeah. Waterworld. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's Followed amazing. quickly by a myriad of small shots and everything, Air Force One and all this stuff. Right. Until finally, the one I get the most traction from, from the generation below us. Right. You're looking at the lead data engineer for Space Jam. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the you basketball. believe you can fly. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it was a big thing, and, and there were like Space Jam parties. I tell people who are like in their 30s or, you know, that I worked on Space Jam, and that's the one that gets them. Mm -hmm. I have the same with Ghost Rider. <laughs> right? So you yeah, guys like, oh, Ghost, Ghost Rider. Rider. Oh, yeah. that's so good. Waterworld is always a mixed reaction, yeah, right? Because it's like, it made such a big splash. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was, it was. It did. It did. It did. But I mean, Waterworld was tied up with like all this stuff. I got, if you followed Waterworld, you got to see how like Seagrams would buy Universal, right? right? And then turn, well, we got to get money out of this thing. Yeah. And they turn into a ride or an experience. That, that still World runs experience. today. And it's one of the best. One of the best. It's really great. It is fantastic. Some guy got injured like a couple weeks ago. Uh, one? One guy. Got one guy injured. got injured? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing, because you've seen the show. Oh, yeah. I'm expecting I one believe, guy a week should be in here. I, I, I can't believe they do it like three times a day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's insane. A lot of averages. Yeah. I think their insurance premiums should not go up. Yeah. I mean, it's a great safety record. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, so that's, your, that's, those, that's how you got into visual effects. Pretty cool. What are some of your favorite moments in visual effects? Um... The firsts. The firsts? Yeah. So I, I made my career out of basically being the transportation department for, you know, the creatives, right? So if right. you sling data, you're transpo. 
right? Right. You're, you're getting data from point A to point B, right? Sure. And that phase, we were moving a lot of data around in a very tight space. It's like the Uber for data. It's like the Uber <laughs> for data. The Airbnb for data, right? Yes. It was like, um, and uh, and we were, you know, people really depended on us, you know, to get stuff on and off really fast. But sure. we would develop a cadence with certain artists that'd be like, dude, I, I really want to go to like lunch, you know, so could you take two hours to get my next shot up? <laughs> sure, right. man. In fact, there was a couple of brothers who went out and uh, got me a little inebriated during lunch and just sat me down and said, yeah, James, you're, um, you're killing us. You're working a little too fast. Right. You need to slow it down a little bit, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, but the favorite part was like first render farms, right? Right. Uh, watching water develop, right? Yeah. Arete. Yeah. Um, watching uh, uh, the first integrations of just different types of data, 3D data, the, the stadium and Space Jam was the thing. Right. Um, being there at the dawn of color timing. So they say that Oh Brother, We're Out There was the first real uh, sort of color timed, uh, digitally color timed, color mastered um, yeah. uh, uh, you know, um, digital release. Right. But I would argue that Pleasantville actually was. Oh. Well, Pleasantville was... Did you work on Pleasantville? I did. Oh, I, I love did. that. Well, we did, Mar- we did a Martini Giant episode on Pleasantville. You did? Yeah, I love that film. Well, there was there, there's <laughs> it's a famous story about me and Pleasantville. Is there? There is. Okay. Yeah. So I left a great job at Cinesight to go work on the show on yes. Pleasantville. It was time to move on, you know. And I thought, where I was it? Do you work in? Where did you go? They to? were in Burbank. Oh, was it its own little thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chris. Uh, God, what was his name? Chris, not Watts, was it? Um, anyway, uh, he was producing it and VFX Soup. Raymond Young was on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> that was, I had been managing 18 people at Kodak right. and under two departments at this point. Okay. Uh, managing resources and that sort of thing. And then suddenly I get thrown in this production and suddenly there's one guy there, but something has gone horribly wrong with his backup system. And I, I, you know, I'm not quite sure what it is, but suddenly he cannot do the data part. So mm-hmm. suddenly I have to. I wind up doing stuff, and he can't. He can't back stuff up fast enough, and so I wind up getting on and uh, and losing my place in the directory structure, and blowing away a bunch of mats, bef- three like a half hour before the director needed to see it. Okay. And they were like, "Yeah, this isn't. Uh, this isn't what we hired you for." <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. my famous story. So it got around town. It's like, oh my God, James just, you know, he got, yeah, he didn't make Pleasantville, right? Uh, they made me a special keyboard um, and uh, it had a, a cross thumb on tacks. the delete button. It had the thumbtacks <laughs> on the R and the M key, you know. So if I, if I press the R and the M, I would, I would remember not to hit return. <laughs> yeah, it was a, uh, but well, we've all been there. Right. Um, but that led to get me getting a job at DreamQuest. And oh, okay. uh, DreamQuest was one of the greatest places to work. Because Hoyt Yateman, it was his personal sandbox. Uh-huh. Um, and you really suddenly felt like you were making a movie because they were making Hollywood-style um, background plates. Yes. You know, just the um, Armageddon mm-hmm. uh, Paris shot. Yes. Did you hear about that? Yeah. No, tell me the story. Tell, tell them the story. So the Armageddon Paris shot, and this happened when I first got there. They were just hired me on to do Mighty Joe Young, but they, were, they had put Armageddon in the can. Okay. Disney now owned a Dream Quest at this point. I got right. during that transition. Um, 
And the marketing crew, there was another media movie uh, in town called Deep Impact. Yes, same And time. they had this great trailer, what they call the money shot. Um, in the trailer, it's like a wave going through New York and banging over, yep. you know, uh, large large buildings. And uh, Disney was like, where's our building wave shot? Where, where is it? We need a, a city to be destroyed and to sell this movie. Right. And uh, and everyone was like, no, we're done. We're moving on. We're moving on to this monkey movie, Mighty Joe Young. Right. We got a lot of hair we got to render. We can't be, we got to go. Right. And Disney said, no, 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 you understand. <laughs> You're making another shot. Said, but the show's opening in four weeks. Like, we get it, you know. You're going to be doing another shot. Right. Well, Hoyt, uh, Hoyt was... Uh, Talked to a buddy of his at JPL and then brought us into uh, the screening room and then convinced us all that we could do this, this shot, in four weeks. Um, and uh, there's a famous picture of a meteor hitting Earth and Earth, uh, the ground radiating out from the planet. Right. And that was sort of the, the spirit of the plate we were going to make. He already had a plan. He called up everyone who had a permanent town. We went down to Hanson Dam in the reservoir area there. Yeah. Built like a, it was absurd, like 200 foot long like it was football field size type of uh, arrangement, but it was a ramp up, right? Mm -hmm. So that it was it got rid of the horizon, just blue sky, uh, steel plates all welded together uh, to to be the ground, and then about a, a foot and a half of Fuller's earth dumped on uh, uh, rings of primer cord. Okay. Right. Uh, all those wired into a uh, uh, a cargo shipment container right next to it, and and this trigger was basically. Uh, a set of nails, right? Yeah, and you go all wired, just yeah. like that. It had two cameras set at the base of this uh, this enormous, enormous setup. Um, two cameras because they help, both had to run at three hundred frames per second. Right. And we we're only going to do this once, so in case one camera failed, right? Right. Cameras, you know, yeah. three hundred frames per second. Go, and that's what you're looking at when you see the destruction of Paris shot. Right. You'll see a, uh, an element which comes rushing towards the camera, yeah. and it's that element that we spent. That's it was the awesome. first time I felt like, oh, right, I am making a movie. I'm not just helping compilers out. Now we're making movies. Right. So, so anyway, that's the, the Armageddon story. I love that. I have an earthquake story for you now. Okay, I just okay. remembered it. Yeah, yeah. We were shooting elements for iRobot. Mm -hmm. And Eric Nash was a VFX supervisor. And so Eric Nash, right. He was... You know the explosion of the big thing, the 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 of the, the the flames coming up and at the end of the movie. Right. He loved to shoot practicals, so he was doing all these massive flame explosion things on the stage next door to where That's I right. was working. Yeah. And I had a wall here, and the wall would just go. Boom, <laughs> boom. Well, and then one day when boom, I said, I thought they were done shooting elements as they are. That was an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hoyt would uh, you know he had this incredibly. Beautiful way of uh, shooting dry for wet. Dry for wet? Yeah. Honestly. And it was, um, uh, it was build a huge submarine, right? Yeah. Crimson Tide, right? Sure. Uh, stage had an you know, incredible XYZ control system. Okay. And you put this model on this track, right? So you could move the camera and the submarine you know, articulately, fill it with smoke and atmosphere, right? And then comp in a minutia layer, right? Okay. Of, of just sort of little particles floating around, right? And it really just, it was one, two, three, looked great. Awesome. You know? 
Um, you, you lit it very starkly, and yeah. it's just, it was amazing. Uh, but then you had those underwater explosions, and so they went down to this place, an old place where they used to test, uh, I think, um, some sort of astronaut gear, you know, uh -huh. I think actual suits, right? And you could see them, right? There was a pane of glass, and mm -hmm. but they weren't using it for that anymore. So they filled it up. You could film explosions in it. Okay. And they went there, and they got, you know, first explosion, got, you know, just great look, you know, big flash in the middle, the air bubbles everywhere. Um, but the window just, it was like, it bowed out, you know, it was a, it, uh, it was like, no, this thing's probably not designed for this kind of work, but, right. you know, Mavericks, what are you going to do? It never broke, you know, but it, it definitely bent. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, yeah. that's awesome. I wasn't there in that shoot, but I just, you know, they'd come back from the field and say, you know what, you know, here's a story. So I want to get to, I want to find, you're, you're doing a lot of virtual production stuff now, but how yep. did you make that journey from what you're doing now, and how does that turn into sure. virtual production? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so uh, I really got pulled into post proper after my time at Disney. Okay. Uh, I was supervisor of the Disney Digital Studio. After oh, I right. Was, I was CTO of Sway, right? You were. And then they pulled me in, and I spent seven years at Disney going, hey, guys, you know, we can do a lot of this with a computer now. <laughs> and uh, and, and we, it, was, it was great and uh, made a lot of friends. Um, but then after that, I got pulled into Netflix, where uh, my colleague Jude Babcock, who uh, I owe a substantial portion of my career to, we had met at Disney. Okay. He was post okay. uh, under Jeff Zaka. Okay. Uh, known as the sheriff. Right. Um, and uh, he, uh, she, she, she said, "Look, we're we're standing up post at Netflix, and they're doing originals, and we need to form a team and really just do this thing." And so I took on uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Uh huh. Uh, and got to be friends uh, with Paul Rubin. Mm. Uh, they started to call me the Pee Wee Whisperer. Wow. And to this day, I still get happy birthday notices and Christmas cards from Paul. That's amazing. I know, I know. I'm very proud of my Pee-wee relationship. You should. You should. Hi, Paul. <laughs> um, He's a big listener of CG. <laughs> I know, I'm sure he is. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, I watch everything he does, you know. <laughs> so, so, we, uh, so that's when uh, Jude just took me under her wing, really, and just said, look, everything you know and have been supporting us, you, you just now to you know increase your knowledge of schedule and budget. Right. And so we, we did that. And then along the way, we were telling all the people at Netflix, like, you actually do need to have a real production department and a real post department because what we're doing is post, but it really should be separate from distribution. And at sure. Netflix, it wasn't the case. Because we were doing post, but we were also making sure that the Polish subtitles were correct. Right. I mean, it was... End to end. Yep. Uh, and at the end of that, I was doing a show a week, and some of those were episodics. Mm -hmm. You know, it was crazy town. But we got the uh, first Oscars, where it came out of my team. We, I moved over to documentaries and uh, docs and comms. Hi, docs and comms. <laughs> and uh, and we uh, um, we just you know it was Netflix was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I'd never seen a greater commitment to uh, to just putting their money where their mouth is, but committing to an idea right. and allowing no hurdles to be put in your way in the form of top of market pay right. and access to technology. And you, you know, I was delivering a show a week. It's insane when you talk about the, 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 the way we used to do things, right? right. Um, 
You'd be amazed what happens. And Netflix is a perfect example. If you just slather the entire pipeline in tech, in mm -hmm. technology, yeah. make it available and accessible, it's, um, uh, the, well, and, uh, the first global IP network is the result. Right. You know? Uh, so the, once I got my post-production chops at Netflix, um, I was pulled into, uh, I tried to start up for about six months with Daryl Strauss. Okay. who uh, wrote Pulse at Technicolor. Uh -huh. We were going to give Pulse to the masses. Okay. Did you know venture capital is difficult to find? Yes. Yeah. Depends on what, yeah. what years are... Or... Well, Frame.io had no problem finding Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so we just decided, well, this is not our year. Uh, and then I got the call from Lucasfilm asking if I wanted to work on The Mandalorian. Of nice. course, I said, well, if I have to. No, I was just incredibly yeah. honored and surprised to, to be pulled in. And, of course, it was Jude again. Oh, okay. Um, who had, who had uh, pulled the strings there. And, uh, and that's when I bumped into Clint Spillers and Chris Williams yeah. uh, and the virtual production um, thing. Right. So that's how um, VFX support went into post, went into virtual production. We were part of the conversation about the color off the wall. And post will continue to be uh, in the conversation about calibration uh, for a color pipeline. Yep. And so that's that's why we're in the room. Uh, and then because we're post, everyone turns to us for review. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make sure that the review process is is happening and, and taken care of. And so we're pulled into the production meetings. And so, uh, and with virtual production, I realized that there is an entire mastering process that has to happen before your first day of shooting. When mastering is, you know, certainly VFX does it, but that's really kind of post job too, right? Right. And so uh, you fix it in pre. Yeah, you fix it in pre. Um, there really is. so it, that's that's how we got in there and uh, got you know Clint took me under his wing, you know, yeah. and uh, and basically uh, just allowed me to interact with the Happy Mushroom guys, which are now Narwhal. Yeah. Um, and then when I, I didn't go on for the third season, um, okay. I uh, uh, I. Started a company called Mesh. Yes, right? and uh, and uh, that was with my partner Ben Baker. Yeah, and that's that was the dawning of Mesh. So Mesh, and you've been Mesh for about a year now, right? Uh, yeah, it was Valid Essence before that, which was just basically general media entertainment consulting. Right. Like what, you know, who 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 has what kind of problem? And I'd done a lot of things. I could help out in a lot of ways, but virtual production. Yeah. There was an ETC project called okay. Fathead. Yes. So it was, uh, we can talk about it now, but at the time it was uh, Amazon's virtual production stage. Yes. Uh, stage 15. Um, and uh, what's that? I've been there. Yeah, so you it's know. It's huge. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's an echo of, of, uh, of the, uh, the stage built uh, at Manhattan Beach, mm -hmm. um, and then of course Nant, and then they're all sort of, and then just getting progressively bigger. The designs are changing now. Anyway, so we, we shot an Amazon stage. And it was a glorious experience, um, helping them out, letting them kick the tires. And then uh, we did some really interesting things, too, because it's Amazon. So they give us access to uh, incredible amounts of connectivity. Mm -hmm. uh, and just, you know, that was the great thing about the ETC is you, everyone's volunteering, but you're surrounded by $5 million in, you know, equipment sure. and access to, uh, to cloud storage and stuff. But Ben and I realized that um, no one knew how to line produce in this space. Yeah. Just because I know my audience, I know what a line producer is, but explain to them what a line producer right. is. And this, why is that different? 
Uh, well, you know what a producer is, right? Yeah. A producer is, um, is responsible for the big bag of money and, yeah. uh, and really has the uh, responsibility of delivering the show to the, uh, to the buyer, to the studio in most cases. Um, but the producer really has to make sure that all of that is done within the context of the vision of the show. Um, that is uh, great if you have a good team that you're working with, your assistant directors, your production team, the heads of the department. Um, but um, very few producers are able to take the classic uh, methodologies of film production and apply them to virtual production because it breaks. Because you have to commit to having department heads on 10 weeks earlier sometimes than you normally would and, I, and, and take money that you would envision being owned by the visual effects department that money now has to delicately be spent either by the VFX department or maybe by the art department. You know, things are changing uh, ahead of where they're usually spent. And so a line producer uh, that does virtual production is meant to specifically control those costs using the conventional tools of budgeting and scheduling. What Mesh does is remind productions they already know how to produce. We just give them the line items to, uh, to do so. Um, and uh, so Mesh has a model where we're in for about uh, six to eight weeks on your show. We, we get you the people that you need. We'll help you build your virtual art department. We did this for Megalopolis. Okay. Uh, and uh, um, it's, it's, been, it's, it's been very fruitful. People have uh, called us and asked for advice and, and we're hoping, we don't think this model will last for more than a year and a half or so because then once people know, they'll know. Yeah. But in the meantime, so you're really almost like consulting for. for oh yeah, we're, we are. We are we're kind of media and entertainment consulting for sure. Right. Um, we'll stay on your show if you want, you know. But uh, we're, we we'd like you to get the the right people uh, for the job. Yeah. Yeah. Now how 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 is that going for the industry? Like the industry, like the, how is that process of knowledge efficiency yeah. quality? Is it getting more easy for everyone to do this stuff? Well, we still have an adoption problem. Right. Yeah. Right? Um, so Ben, Ben Baker, my partner, uh, we've got, uh, he has this great saying, get to the no as quickly as possible. Okay. Um, because there are a lot of people who, who need help, but we need to, once we inform them, like that virtual production is not for the faint of heart, right? Mm -hmm. We need to get onto the people who are really ready to work this way. Okay. And so we, we inform them, you know, first of all, we tell them they probably don't want to work this way. Right. You know, there are plenty of ways to tell your story. Why do you want to tell your story this way? Right. And uh, we'll, we'll go through a bit of that, that discovery, right? And then we dive into the scenes, right? And we'll say, what, what scenes are virtual production? Okay, what is your budget, right? And then we take them through that way, right? And then we say, look, we preface everything with, you're going to have to get production in here, the production designer. You're going to have to get um, uh, the DP in here. And uh, you're going to have to get the VFX uh, supervisor in here. And, and you're all gonna have to ideate on this thing together mm -hmm. because ultimately it leads to um, all of you standing on a virtual production stage going, looks pretty good, right? You right. Know, okay, let's go. So that's new, that's yes. new. So as far as adopting and adapting to that, um, unfortunately, you know, it's been virtual production because John Favreau did it so well, right? Sure. Uh, and created an eco a whole workflow based on his demands, right? Everyone kind of thought, 
well, this is just the way it's going to be done. And it is the way it's going to be done if you're John Favreau or James Cameron, right? Sure. Uh, possibly Ang Lee, right. you know, but it's not going to be a couple of other people who have, the stories around town, you know, who've gone on stages, thought they were going to get one thing and wound up having a very bad day. Right. But a bad day at that level is millions and millions of dollars. Yes. You know? uh, so I just, it's hard. We, we, we really do not encourage people to do this unless they're ready to test. And right. they just, they have a passion, right, for something that they really want to, they want to do in this space. Um, if you're doing it just to get rid of convention, probably not. But if you're doing it because you're supposed to be filming in Antarctica, you right. know what? Why not? Let's talk. You got children? Let's talk. You got 10 locations, but they're only in like, you know, two pages of dialogue each. Right. Maybe we should make it one location, just do three days of shooting. Right. Right. So well, that's what we do. You know, right. uh, we're trying to get people over the adoption problem. Uh, I mean, I can tell you that there were four AAA productions last year. Um, there are 16 coming up this year, so that's good. Mm -hmm. um, ben and I are also talking to the 25 million and below group. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and we also found that if there's a, you know, there's a, a, line, a line producer that's already on the show, yep. it's over. You're not going to convince someone who's responsible for delivering a show to, hey, let's try this new thing. Right. You really have to get in there in the development stage. Right. That makes does that sense. answer the question? Yeah, it does. All right. It does. And I do think that during, you know, during the pandemic, Lupa Cora used to tell me that people was like, can't we just Mandalorian in this thing? <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing as, you know, there are these people that built these walls and some of them are very articulate, like yeah. XR Studios is great. I mean, man, you know, all these guys, uh, Orbital, their hearts are all in the right place, but the producers will go in and say, one virtual production, please. Yes. You know, and, and not know that there's an entire piece missing. And, and the piece that's missing most of all is the virtual art department. Yes. The VAD. The VAD. Mm -hmm. No, what's a VAD? What the hell? Why do I need a VAD? What's a VAD? Yeah. Why would I want Someone's got to build it. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to build it, deliver it to spec. Yeah. Uh, create an environment to iterate. Yeah. Right. It's not just building it once. It's no. it gets it evolves. Right. Sorry. And uh, and Pixamundo, of course, the one I didn't mention yet. Um, Josh has a great uh, um, little uh, diagram of the the path of an Unreal project as it goes from the vendor to the production to the stage, back to the vendor, back to the production, back to the stage, back to the. I mean, and and tracking all of these notes because when you're actually on the stage. All of the uh, ideation and all the calls yep. shift, but they all have to be remembered. Yes, right. And Ben has this great thing where he says, "Look, we all know how to version up in video. We all know how to control video. We all hell, even the guy down the guard yeah. shack can sync video, right, with audio. Try getting people involved in a virtual experience, right? And and having notes taken there, camera placement. It's um, uh, I'm very interested in getting those tool sets available to everyone, and so is Felix over at Narwhal, um, that he, uh, he, he's got a whole tool set that's really based about collaborating in this space. It's interesting. I just, you know, I was dabbling in some of this stuff, and just the idea of working at a company or, or working in a, in a piece of software that doesn't have versions. It it's doesn't have what? Versions. You know, working working with with tools that are you know, sort of iterative tools that constantly evolve. You're right, and in in in, in an emulation, right? Or, uh, sorry, a simulation. Um, the that river is not going to run exactly the same. Nope. You know, 
those clouds, if you're using, you know, you're not actually using video for your clouds, which a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's an emulator. It's a simulation. Right. It's simulating. Right. You know, the leaves will not necessarily fall in the same place at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to one in an unreal environment yeah. um, is not really the same thing. Right. As in, well, they don't in real life either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. the whole thing about virtual production trying to emulate real life is, um, uh, I think it's a distraction. Interesting. I believe that there's a an impulse, and this happens in visual effects too. Photo real. Right. right. That's a we were you and I were doing photo real. Long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Nine Inch Nails video mm -hmm. was that was that was great photo reel, right? Yep. Yep. Well, back, but right? it was mean to look like a photograph, which is different than reality. Reality. That and that's my point, yes. right? So when people say, "Oh, photo reel," right? I'm like, "What do you mean?" Right? right? And and I think that very quickly, if the production designer is having that conversation with someone, then then you get exposed to a, dis, a department head who is supposed to come up with a vision sure and i mean honestly i see this like even at pixar they would talk about photoreal producing what they were they were producing sure exactly That's weird. <laughs> but they would sure. right back in the day i don't know uh how they talk about their own work uh then when we were dd mm -hmm. people interview there and they they were you know photoreal means different things my point is you should use the medium of, a, of like a 3D space. Sure. Uh, in the way it, it can provide um, the best output. In other words, if you're a production designer, you should really get to know something like Unreal. And yes, I know Unity is a thing too. Um, but just to go into these environments and, and realize what they're capable of, because I'm telling you, it is much more interesting and satisfying to present a, a piece of art, right, um, in in a medium that you, know, you wouldn't want to try and do an oil painting with watercolor, you right. know? I mean, you gotta understand the medium. And that's why I say that people pushing towards photo real, and we'll get there. I believe Kim LeBrary, what he says, five years, you know? Um, well, I'll have to tell you about what I'm doing with Vantage. Oh, what are you doing? Well, we could, this is your interview, not my interview. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you after we tell finish. Tell me more. I will yeah. tell you more. Yeah. Uh, but basically my quick, quick, you know, too long didn't read. Uh, ray tracing is the solution to all of that. Yeah, I agree. So, so real real time ray tracing, full ray tracing, full ray tracing. All right. Well, we're gonna get into like Lumen and, and Nantic and all that, that stuff. That, that's not real ray tracing. I know, but it's like <laughs> it, it it gets you to a point where um, you can still make on set decisions without sure. without having to go back to render. Yeah, but I can do. What if you just had real time ray tracing? Well, tell me more, <laughs> right? I mean, obviously, I mean, yes, yeah. Yes, No, so, yeah, no, so I'm that, not interested in that. Uh, no, well, but we'll, I'll tell you, Vlado and I are working on this thing right now, which is awesome. Okay, cool. So, so it's very exciting. But, right. okay, so so this is really cool. This medium is very interesting. Finding a way to make it work uh, is great. Being a consultant in that area, how, that's wonderful. Uh, what do you think about generally where the industry is going right so now? What do you mean? Well. Everyone like now, I'm going to do my, I've been doing this for the last, you know, 10, 12 episodes. Like, right. okay, wh what's your position on how AI is going to shift and change everything? Oh, oh. Um, you know, I, I, for one, cannot wait to be replaced by my, my AI overlords. Right. Um, no, I, I, 
so this this was the week that ChatGPT really got sort of uh, ran with the press, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and I view this entire fascination with the language emulators yes. um, as um, a bunch of people being amazed that it acts like a human, but we, we're anthropomorphizing. It's what we do. Sure. You know, we make whole entire cartoons by slapping eyeballs on a tea kettle and making it sing. Right. You know, and <laughs> crying when it breaks. You know what I mean? It's, you know, I feel like, yeah. So, I mean, this is, so you have a language emulator that does a good job, right? Um, it will take, have a conversation with you based on it's emulating your language, man. Right. So, so it's really a lot like, um, Putting a big mirror in a gorilla cage, right, right, and just watching everyone, you know, try and you know talk to the gorilla, right. Um, it's not. Um, it's just a reflection of us. Sure. So ChatGPT is not sentient. Doesn't matter, right? No. It, it doesn't look like it matters much, right? It I looks think like everyone's if, very excited. If you were a copywriter, right? Now you're an editor, right? Sure. Um, if you're a first assistant, yes, you're probably going to wind up being an editor, right? right? Um, so there's that Adobe stuff where actually you can take your, um, uh, they have it on display, I gotta show, show it to you. Okay. Basically it'll take a look at all your footage in your documentary, right? And mm -hmm. of course, uh, figure out what they're talking about. And then you can say, I want a, you know, a section, this section to be talking about the carousel mm -hmm. and uh, between this person and this person. Um, and uh, no, no, no. Uh, now, now shorten it up here. And I'm hoping they can say, you know, make it, make it, make it sad, right? <laughs> right. But it cuts it for you. Wow. Right. It's just right on the timeline. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this is sort of the first assistant's job. Sure. In a way, right? Um, and it gets, you know, what I see is uh, I, the drudgery is being removed sure. from much of the process. Yep. Do you know the Steve Jobs clip that kind of circulated last week? Mm -mm. Steve Jobs, I think it's the 80s, you know, okay. um, and he goes... Uh, someone at Scientific, Scientific American uh, published um, a study uh, based on animals and their efficiency of going from point A to point B. Okay. Goldfish, right? Right. Point A to point B, and relative to their size and all that stuff. It, it factored it all in and included humans, right? Condor wins. Condor is the most efficient at uh, uh, conservation of energy and getting from point A to point B. That makes sense. Glides its way there. Yeah, but then you you have the invention of the bicycle, right? And of course, suddenly man, boop, right up top, right? Easy peasy, right? I believe that ChatGPT is the bicycle of the written word. Oh right, <laughs> yeah, okay. That I I, I uh, it's great at marketing material. Oh um, yeah. I because I, I don't I don't uh, I don't do well with that stuff. It's great um, at SEO. It's so good at SEO. Yeah. That it's going to screw up all of SEO. <laughs> well, because everyone's going to just it's going to be a race to get your eyeballs to the point that I think that search is going to be screwed up. I think that I was very proud of the fact that I could write a sort of passive aggressive letter to a company about how frustrated and disappointed I was that. Um, they hadn't compensated me for my late uh, um, flight, <laughs> right? Sure. I would, you know, I'm very disappointed, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I saw a TikTok uh, on uh, a woman who, had, um, who was telling the world that she had used ChatGPT to write such a letter, mm -hmm. and it was perfect, better than I could have written myself. Right. And so it's going to do two things. First of all, it's going to lower the value of my letter. 
Right. Because now everyone can write one of these. Yes, everyone's going to be a good writer. That's right. <laughs> but 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 maybe uh, uh, maybe it will either put more pressure on customer service to do the right thing, or it's just going to break customer service. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Anyway. Okay. Okay. What about the current situation with text to image stuff? And how there's here's what I'm getting at. There are a lot of people who are like, this is awesome, this is stealing my material. There's yep. a lot of that yep. controversy going on. Yep. It is a minefield, which you don't have to enter. I am happy to enter. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a man of the people, right? Okay. Um, uh, so um, I believe one of those services created a list, okay. some living, some dead, okay. of the source of their work. Right. Okay. Well... Um, if they asked people to be on that list, great. Right. They didn't. We might have an issue. I you know, so take a look at what's happening in California, and we're following the footsteps in, in Europe in terms of uh, being, you know, asking companies to one, tell me what you know about me. Yes. And then, great. Now forget it. Right. Right. That's a right in Europe. Right? Yes, as part of the European Union, it's going to be a right here in California if everything continues the way it is. This is why you have to continually say confirm my choices, you know, on every website now. Right, is because we're moving into this state, and is it is it enabling capitalism? No, right. but it is protecting the consumer. So my point is this: is that um, there is a very little difference in my mind between artistic expression and personal information. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if I have the right to say, um, forget about me, right, yep. that's my personal, I don't see how uh, my creation, right, and I know we're getting copyright here, it's a little different, but I think you should be, a, should have to be able to forget about my work sure. if I ask you to. Right. Right. Now, education, fair use, we're in a pickle, right? Right. Um, so I don't think that these lawsuits are going to go very well for... Uh, the ones that are in play. I mean, with the Getty one, right? Sure. One point six trillion was it? No, I don't it's know. It's a lot of billion. Yeah. Trillion. It was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they can justify the cost. Or, uh, but the the Getty has to do that though, because that's their entire business model is to sell you images. Well, except that they scrubbed the thumbnails, not the right. images. Sure. The thumbnails were out there, right? Right. I mean, they were repurposed, right? So that they're going to make a case, right? Right. But there's nothing that said they couldn't use the thumbnails. Right. They put watermarks on them. Sure. Like, if you want the real thing, you have to pay for that. Right. Yeah, I get it. And so, I mean, do they have a right? Yeah. Um, I mean, what about the website, This Person Does Not Exist? Yeah. I That's mean, NVIDIA's site, I think. Well, I don't know who owns it, but it sure is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where we're headed, is that you will not be able to know what is real and what is not real. Uh, and... I suppose if I were an artist, I would want to license my voice, my image. I'd go with what Keanu Reeves does, which is do not add a tear to my face if I'm crying, you know? Don't don't change my performance, right? Right. But I would certainly license my voice. Um, and by the way, I'm the entire corn species in uh, season two, <laughs> episode three of uh, The Mandalorian. Okay. Um, but I would license my voice, right? Yeah. Uh, and and, and has, tell the people have at it. Just pay me. Right. You know, um, so that's how I view. Like, if approached properly, I think that you can use those services. Sure. To to protect, you know, what you're trying to protect. If you're trying to make a 
income out of it. I do think that, that it was ha mishandled uh, when they, uh, the, they made these things, but I don't think the tech bros really knew what they were getting into in that minefield. <laughs> but here's what I do know, is yeah. that even if this particular situation blows up, this tech is like water, and it's gonna go right around that event. And we will be dealing with images based on people that never existed. Right. And, and that will, that's where we will go, because there's no risk. Yep. Because this person does not exist. Yep. Yep, yep. Indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, there's no straight answer here. Uh, um, my, I, my, my family was uh, uh, entertainment lawyers. Oh, right. So um, they, uh, they have an interest. I, did, I, had a, I had an entertainment lawyer on as well. Uh, who was the head of, head of SAG-AFTRA, and we were talking about deep fakes and what that what the implication is for yeah. performances and and the, and the guild, you know. So uh, very very. Well, interesting. What do you think? I mean, what's your point? I, my so yeah. Well, first of all, I think the tool is too valuable to ignore. Right. Right. And so that is absolutely case. It do, should you be able to get your data off that? Yes, I believe you should. But there are also, you know, open source platforms like, you know, uh, uh, um, a stable diffusion. You can just make your own stable diffusion. That's right. That's right. right? Yeah, and you can exactly. train it on. It's like, oh yeah, I want to train it all on my favorite artists and rip off all his art. You can do that. Right. But that's right. still that's still stealing. Uh, 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 in what way? Well, I don't know. But like, it's the same. <laughs> okay, I think. Your what. Honor, I don't know, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure you stole from me. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was, you could say that like, yeah, no, I, I well, what is it? Okay, uh, Andy Warhol, right? He uh, takes, takes, yes, you're right. But he's taking other people's photograph and makes his own art out of it. Right, so the Prince thing. Right. right. Yeah, the, the Prince lawsuit and all that stuff. I, I, okay, so where, where, how do you stand on that? I don't know. I do think that people should have the ability to, to control what they're doing. Right. Me too. And uh, for example, a friend of mine who was an architecture visualization guy, and they were doing this rendering of this beautiful, you know, very expensive flat in New York that they were doing. Yeah. Right? And they had a painting over the fireplace, and they're like, well, let's make a painting and make it look a little bit like this. So he hand painted something that looked kind of like a painting. Yeah. And that artist saw that and sued them, saying it looks too close to one of my paintings, and they lost the lawsuit. And this was in a rendering. Well, <laughs> that's more of an argument of my lawyers are bigger than your lawyers. Yeah, it is. Right, then... then uh, but there's a lot of little guys out there, and they're all getting their shit scraped from ArtStation, right? Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, it's true. I can only imagine if you were just about to really break out, yeah. and suddenly this comes along. Yeah. Eh, it, it's got to be rough. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. But at the same time, I am seeing the largest interest in art that I've ever seen. Isn't that funny? And, yeah. and some weird, people got weird stuff in their head that they're getting out on to Right, you, I just sometimes go to mid-journey and see what all of the- Crazy the, things the, are. Yeah, yeah, what they're prompting, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, I do want to get to HPA because we are here in Palm Springs. Palm Springs? Palm de Rentro uh, uh, Mirage. Yes, right. so that's the name of the resort. But, no, that's are... the name of the town. Oh, it? is it? Yes. Well, you know, I never, never leave the resort. You yeah, know, okay. I, why would I? The HPA is here. Yeah, yeah HPA. Okay, <laughs> so explain to people what the HPA is. Okay. Um, well, how much time you got? Uh, okay, the HPA uh, is, a, is, a, is an industry group. Um, it's similar to uh, the uh, Post-New York Alliance. 
um, but we're different in, in a few ways, mostly because we were formed out of, um, <laughs> out of uh, a, a businesses uh, that were uh, doing a lot of work, mostly in the 80s, um, but uh, the engineers who supplied the support for that work, in this case, it was Telecine for music videos, right? Uh, Scanning film to, and, and syncing audio. Um, well, there's a long story there, but basically uh, what was the ITC, which was a, a group that uh, was formed from that business, the engineers had their own little group. They had a picnic every year while all the mucky mucks went to Bahamas. They, they said, you guys go have a lunch. Um, well, the muckety-mucks got caught with their hands in a cookie jar, uh, and, uh, but the engineers still wanted to talk and found it very fruitful. I think it was in an, an IHOP or a Howard Johnson. Really? Leon Silverman could, tells the story better. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, uh, those guys formed what became the, uh, the Hollywood Post Alliance, oh. right? Uh, which it was for years. Um, and uh, I knew it as the Hollywood, Hollywood Post Alliance. However, as we already covered, Post is no longer Post, and John Landau just said Post doesn't exist on his shows, really. Right. Uh, it's all one big happy family, and they're all just trying to get it all done together. Right. Um, it became the Hollywood Professional Association mm -hmm. because we suddenly realized that um, we all were becoming one big happy family. Sure. Uh, and that we had to, uh, you know, it. people, people still debate the name, but uh, the spirit of the thing is really sort of taking the old and the new yearly out here in the desert and not not marketing to each other sure. but challenging each other yes and so uh we have trx with uh, mark cholos uh we have a changing super session that covers like the the thing of the year you know it's for us it, this year was avatar this year was avatar yeah. uh and then we have the innovation zone which i'm the chairman of yes and uh the, you don't uh, get into the innovation zone unless you actually have some innovation to show right. so we don't have booths in there we're not no, no real marketing. Sure. I mean, we understand we're trying to find customers, that sort of thing, but we really are creating a science fair uh, sort of yeah, atmosphere, right? Yeah, that's the right way to put it. Yeah, yeah and, and so uh, less signage, more science, you know? Right. We want people to really engage and, like, like really give actionable feedback sure. that will be helpful to right. both parties. And you can see what happens. I mean, these people are already saying, whoa, where'd you come from? Buffalo, New York? Oh, geez, have you met the Adobe guys? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's really cool. So that's the HBA, it's what we do. We do things all year long. We have uh, uh, the net lunches uh, about three times a year. Uh, and it's a volunteer organization and you should get involved. Uh, we're, uh, we're always looking for people to, to just join us. And please, come on down. So what was interesting for me is that, you know, I've been to a ton of events that are centered around visual effects. And this is one that's not really been on my radar for a long time right. until more recently. And, but as it became more interesting, I love the fact that I get to hear all the other post stuff that happens, yeah. you know, and yeah. see what that means. Because a lot of people, they say, oh, post, you mean visual effects? I'm like, no, <laughs> there's a whole lot more. You know, editing is post, you know. Yeah, and, 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 right. and, and, dailies are post. Dailies now. are post. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, sound, music, everything, yeah. you know. So, uh, subtitles. It was a great talk about yeah. uh, subtitles today. Yeah, I mean, well, seriously, yeah. it was a really good talk. I know. Well, I mean, I, I was, you learned so many Things dealing with distribution subtitles and and uh, you know Netflix they covered the planet you know yeah. they covered like you know I think eight to ten 
uh, languages uh, uh, with audio, um, with dubs, mm-hmm. but they uh, they covered the rest of the planet with with uh, with subtitles. Yep, and they all had to be approved. Um, and what you learn about that distribution will teach you a lot about a culture. It was yeah. just an amazing, it's an amazing thing. But uh, I, I, I'm glad I, I know, uh, I got a master class in uh, subs and dubs. Yep. Um, but uh, my heart is really closer to the, the actual camera. The camera itself. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, cool. So uh, where can people find out more about the HPA and where can they join and what can they do to be part of it? Um, so HPA, I want to say HPA.com, okay. right? The Ho- Hollywood Professional Association. Yeah. Um, uh, we really do a great job of guiding you right into what's happening next. Um, and Lauren uh, is a name that you'll be introduced to if you're looking to volunteer. Sure. Uh, we have um, uh, a, a YEP committee. Uh, what's the YEP? The, the Young um, Entertainment Professionals. Professionals. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I believe you can be... No older. I want to. I can't remember. I don't want to say it out loud. But it's a. Uh, it, it's definitely younger than I think thirty. Right. Right. Um, and the, you get mentored. It's like a mentorship. Uh, then we have the mentor program. Yeah. Right. And so uh, people are brought in and just encouraged to to you know give them a quick on ramp access, make them comfortable. You know, we learn from them, they learn from us, sure. uh, trying to annihilate the legacy issues that we have. Yep. Um, because we all started, you and I both started trying to explain to people that, no, there's a smarter way to do things. These people are coming up. And what was it? This guy, I think he's 25 years old, and he already had to reinvent himself four times. Yes. So it's... <laughs> I saw that talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like... mean... It's it's uh, so we're all we all understand that right yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and we wanna we wanna morph with them because we have to understand what we're making we have to understand what we're doing and and uh, the only way we can do it is if we're, we're we create things like the HPA so yeah. go to the HPA website yeah uh, check it out and and um, and besides the retreat are there other uh, yeah, yeah 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 there's there's, there's, there's lunches the women in post group they post. that's a, that's an HPA function um, I didn't I didn't realize that was HPAs. Yeah, uh, it's heavily supported, right? If not, um, uh, our Carrie uh, is in there, and and uh, with their, um, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a function of the. HBA, My coworker Albana, she just went there and joined that, and she said it was the best lunch ever. Oh man, they give the best lunches. They're yeah. really open about you know everything, and it's really really a great forum, um, and uh, it really has evolved. And we we the HPA is really committed to. Um, Making sure that we're including everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, um, it's we're making a, making a concerted effort to reach deeper mm-hmm. and and look beyond our current Rolodex. Yep. Um, and honestly, I, I think uh, I, nothing taught me the importance of that, um, other than you know Netflix. Netflix actually has an incredible diversity and inclusivity approach, and uh, something that uh, I'm carrying with me throughout the rest of my career. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks you so much, James. Yeah. It's awesome catching up. I yeah. have much more to share with you off the camera, and the, those guys are just going to have to wait. So, all right. <laughs> was that, 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 that's great. Thanks so much uh, for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, this was painless. See, it wasn't so bad. No, it wasn't so bad at all. No, it was pretty good. <laughs> that's thanks. fine.